Hi, my name's Rhiannon. I'm one of the actors and writers on The Once and Future Nerd. We recently had a Jumbotron message go up on the Adventure Zone, so if you found your way here from that, that's awesome, and we're so happy to have you. However, we are a serialized fiction podcast, which means we're telling one long, continuous story, and we've been at it for quite a while now, so if this is the first episode of The Once and Future Nerd you listen to, you'll probably be pretty confused. And uh, who knows, maybe that's your thing. That's cool. But if you would like to have the recommended listening experience and also to know what the hell is going on in the show, head on over to onceandfuturenerd.com slash welcome. That's where you'll find our guide to getting started. And you'll also find some info about the people who make the show, as well as links to our social media and our various fan communities. If you're already caught up on the show, awesome, welcome back. Or, again, if you're nasty and you like spoilers, we hope you enjoy this episode. Our next one will be out in two weeks. Thanks for downloading. Happy listening. The Once and Future Nerd depends on listeners like you for funding and for spreading the word. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, and if you are able, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash onceandfuturenerd. You shall be rewarded. The Once and Future Nerd Book Two Myth Chapter 4. I've been working on the Whale Road. Part 2 by Anya Gibeon, Zach Glass, Shannon Harris, and Christian T. Kelly Madeira. We resume our tale in the quarters of one Captain Otto Olofsson, whose ship, you'll recall, had recently been overrun by a large band of raiders. At this moment, the quarters had been commandeered by the leader of the outlaws so that she could have a private conversation with Regan. So, if I give you passage to Armstrongard, what are you prepared to give me? You mean aside from the gold we already gave Olafsson? His goal is my goal now, and will be no matter what. So that's no offer. Also present at this negotiation were Jen and the pirate called Alf Firebeard. At the moment, the two seconds were locked in a staring contest. A rather absurd-looking staring contest, as Alf towered over Jen by closer than not to a full two feet. But the young woman mustered all the apparent ferocity she could under the circumstances. I'd like to know what you think you're looking at there, little missy. Mm. Nothing much. Look, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> hey, where she's from, a thief trades on her word more than gold. I thought you'd know that. Thank you, Jen. I was saying, we don't have much coin beyond what we already paid for passage. Can scrounge up maybe another 15 pieces, but that's it. But... But Regan gesticulated emphatically, as though to convey the gravity of what would come next. You strike me as people who benefit from friends in high places. I'm listening. Jen, what? Tell her. Tell her why. For fuck's sake, do, do the name and titles thing. You sure? Just fucking... 
You're addressing Ayurana Margaret Regan, last scion of the Great House Guernatal, champion of the civilized peoples, and rightful high queen of the human realms of Jordan. <laughs> oh, 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 dear. <laughs> oh, that's what you come to offer us. Girl, <clears throat> there is no more house Gwenetal. I never gave a shit about civilized peoples. And if your bum ever touches the high throne, then my paramour's face is Galadin's mead bench. When I found out, I thought the exact same thing. But turns out his late majesty Gunther was diddling my grandma. Yeah. You and half the orphans in Armstrongard. But he was gonna make it all legitimate and shit until Adel Redmore had him killed. Oh yeah, sure he was. I know how it sounds. I wonder how the elves and the great houses would react to this claim of yours. I haven't exactly declared to them yet. Oh. But of course. Wasn't the right time last time I saw them. You mean you were scared? I mean I wasn't a fucking idiot under the circumstances. But now I am pushing the claim. Why? That's my business. Point is, I'm building an army. And one day, not too long from now, I'm gonna need a navy too. How's Admiral Wren strike you? Maybe uh, Captain Elf? <sighs> Alf, the ledger. From a satchel at his side, Alf produced a hefty hand-bound tome and dropped it on Olafson's desk. And, knowing what was about to be asked of him, he pilfered Olafson's quill and hastily set to scribbling some figures. My pa always said to me, him see, Rin, to survive this line of work, you need to be a good sailor, a good fighter, a good negotiator, and a great bullshitter. And Thief Queen. You got a special knock for bullshit to bring a tall tale like that in front of the greatest bullshitter to ever sail the seas. If it was up to me, I'd be inclined to do you a favor. Who's it up to then, Captain? Oh. What's the ledger say about doing the Thief Queen a favor? Well, if you reckon with the ships, we won't be able to visit on our way, don't you know? And the foodstuffs, we won't be able to fence before they rot. It's a deceptively costly endeavor. Let me see that. Milan, many times over. Don't question Alphon figures. Man, some kind of wizard. Rationing coefficient. Rate of attrition in barrels per hour per hour. Where do you learn this? Uncle was a fishmonger, taught me the basics. Picked up that trick for working with an unknown number from a Mooncrest deserter. Rest, I taught myself. This is incredible. He's mastered algebra and he's... he's halfway to calculus. All right, all right, keep it in your pants. Don't know all that's in Olison's hold yet, but I'd reckon we'd turn a very slim profit. That, plus the gold we gave him, plus the extra gold we're gonna give you. That's still not a bad day. But when you split it among the crew, it'll fetch them one fun night at part and little else. On the other hand... If we were to ransom that elf or that highborn girl... No way. They're off limits. Ren the Ruthless cocked an eyebrow at Jen. You got the numbers, sure. But we can make that kidnapping cost you a fuck of a lot. In a practiced motion, Regan brushed back her cloak, revealing the small armory she kept on her person at all times. 
Try me if you don't believe me. Well, now there's no need to get ornery. We're not saying I do that, tough girl. But just explaining the position you leave me in. A ransom like that? Why, it's damn near enough for somebody to bite their way out of this life. My crew knows it. If I let the chance go, and all I give them in return is some cock and bull story about a bastard queen, how's that likely to turn out, Alfie? Well, if not for the impeccable moral fiber of our crew and their steadfast respect for authority, eh, that's the type of thing that start a mutiny against the lesser captain. So you see my problem. A captain's not a queen. When her subjects go hungry because she's a fool, she actually has to answer for it. It's a long-term investment. Alf, you get it, right? Compound interest. To uh, hear yourself tell it, that investment depends on an army of, what, nine? <laughs> Most of them not fighters, winning a war against all the great houses, and maybe the elves. We really would like to help you, Tea Queen. Give me something I can promise my crew today that won't insult their intelligence. Give me ten minutes. And so, Regan returned below deck to the side of her very ill knight to discuss an idea she'd had. Your Grace, you cannot trade the Gwernatal talisman of dominion for passage aboard an outlaw ship. I can't see any other way that gets us all safely to port. But without it, how will we ever hope to- What? Claim I'm legitimate in front of the elves? That ship has sailed, my friend. But it is ancient and priceless. I beg of you. Look, I know who this belonged to. I know it means a lot to you. But you want me to be queen. Gunther wanted me to be queen. If we can't give up something shiny to keep my people safe, then what are we even doing? Back in Olafson's quarters. Well, fuck me. Now you're talking sense. As the talisman caught a stray beam of morning sun through a porthole, its jewels cast a dazzling dance of rainbow light across the otherwise drab cabin. <laughs> How in Selberin did you nab that? I told you, it's mine by birthright. Sure it is. Well, it's more mine than it is Adel fucking Redmoors. Anyway, it's too hot to fence an Armstrong guard. But you'll find somebody in the sugarcane aisles who'll melt it down, no problem. Dare say I will. So is that a deal? In exchange for this treasure, safe passage to Armstrongard for you and your whole crew. We can't make part, but we'll get you close enough to row and throw on a boat, no charge. Ren spit in her hand and presented it to Regan. What about the other part? Do I have a navy yet, Admiral? Ha! Don't push your luck. And don't ever spurn my open hand. Fine. Jethro, the woodsman who had captured the half-orc Traft, was reciting an arcane and forbidden spell out of his skin-bound grimoire. 
torchlight danced manically across the walls of the cellar as the old man's voice pronounced the incantation. In the corner, the creature Caleb whimpered. The corpses of Jethro's previous guests were still, the dead eyes seeming to stare directly into Traft's soul. Traft lay still, bound to the table, waiting for something to happen. He waited and waited and waited. Uh, am I supposed to be feeling something here? Marsh now, concentrate. Jethro resumed his chanting. Five minutes passed, and then ten. After 15 minutes had passed without a single sign of anything happening, Traft's patience snapped. All right, that's it. You convinced me to cooperate, gods. Help me, I guess I'm still a fool for Dagmar, but we've been up all God's damn night, and you haven't told me anything more about what you're trying to do. Oh, I told you, I ain't got a time for But you got time to say gibberish for God's only knows how long? Boy, you will not disrespect my magics. They are ancient and very hard-learned. Maybe so, but tonight they ain't done shit. And now I'm tired, so you start talking or I am done. You're gonna have to cut me up for your porridge after all. All right, all right, cool yourself up now. What do you want to know so bad? You keep saying I'm gonna see Dagmar. I'm gathering you don't mean in a poetic sense where all the good little boys and girls meet in Selborne after death and eat pies and sing hymns to Galadon. Nay, nay, I don't mean like that. If I'm right about what I've been working on, you could touch her, smell her, as though she's standing right yonder. You know you sound out of your head, right? Shit, maybe you don't know that. Why do you think we can meet her again? I first met Dagmar, oh, must be a near to 20 years ago now. I served at House of Greenhorn then, but I never rose no higher than a petty knight, and I was well past a fighting age. But they kept me around. I guess they thought it was courteous. They sent me with Dagmar when she came to Gwenital's court. We spoke often. We became close. We spoke about life, about philosophy. I found that Dagmar and I share a number of uh, values. You may recall, dear listener, that Dagmar had shared very similar conversations with Traft. You can be sure that Traft recalled it all too well. Then I began having dreams. In them, Garadian gave me instruction, told me to go to this location or that. I met others at these locations. Templars, you called them. They taught me things, great powers, gave me their vestments and idols. I rose in their ranks. And then, one night, the dream sent me to an inn outside of Brimshire. Dagmar was there. It was her, but not just her. Something in her I'd never seen before. And she bore this very staff I hold today. Lots of other Templars had to come her too. We captured the crown prince, Uta. Took him out in the middle of the woods. The conversation Dagmar had with him, I never forget it. Not your most imaginative work. You haven't seen the interesting part yet. 
See you soon, my dear. Will you? They were talking to each other. But it was like they weren't them. And then she stabbed this very staff through the prince's heart. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that Dagmar herself killed Uther Guernthal? The biggest assassination in centuries, and it was done by his own stepmother? I'm saying she did more than kill him. And she kept it from, well, me and everyone else in the damn world, all while sharing the king's bed. Why would she do that? Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you if you shut your yap. She told us lower our hoods and to close our eyes tight. I did. But when Uta breathed his last, I could see like a bright sunny day, even through all that. And when I opened my eyes again, the prince of body was gone without no trace. So what's that mean? For a long time, I, I didn't know. I spent years trying to understand. Only one thing I didn't know, whoever was coming to me in my dream, she and Dagmar were one and the same. By then I dream every night for three, four years. True dreams, too. The dreamer tells me to go somewhere. Sure enough, someone's awaiting for me. And I tell you, that night, it was Dagmar's body, her voice. But sure as the sun is set, it was Garadian done the killing. This should have struck Traft as the ramblings of an unwell old man. To be fair, it was literally the ramblings of an unwell old man. But he thought back on his life, on his time shared with Dagmar, and something of the old man's story struck a chord. Well, if that's true, why Gridian kill Uther? The time you knew her, was she not a fond of saying, Galadin is a gone from this world? Well, yeah, I guess I always figured she meant in the poetic sense. I don't think she did. I think that for a time, Galadin was Uther, the same way that Garadian was a Dagmar. And then she found a way to send a Galadin to another place that he couldn't easily come back from. Wait, that's where you want to send me? Some place I can't come back from? But I think you can come back. That's what I've been working on all this time. Working on and failing. But the others didn't believe like you do. Now, hang on. I take it you reckon this traveling is done by means of magic? Ah, that I do. So, assuming they were to believe like you say, it stands to reason that someone better trained in magic than I am would have a better chance of being able to come back. Hmm, suppose it's so. But the snows will be back before long. No one in their right mind gonna be through this pass anytime soon. Just so happens your old friends the Templars, they're looking for me. None too pleased how my last battle went. They probably weren't too far off my trail when you found me. If I went out and drew just a little attention to myself, I'm sure you could catch you a Templar or two. How'd that serve? A twisted grin crept over Jethro's face. As the crew of the Red Reaver transferred their newly won loot from Otto Olufsen's ship over to Wren's, Arlene and Gwen stole down to the hold. No need to wake. Well, wasn't that a comfy bed for you? Who'd have thought a sack of flour and some straw could make a suitable cradle? He certainly slept soundly enough all through the commotion up on deck. Oh, Gwen. 
When you left your family to go serve the nobility, did you ever imagine being in a place like this? <laughs> Can't say I did. But then, I never imagined I'd meet the love of my life either. Galadin's plans are hidden from us all. Yes, some days more so than others. This is no place for the young one. What are we to do here? Same thing we've been doing all along. The best we can under the circumstances. We now return to the camp of Bryce Riverfell, where the general was finishing supper with his inner circle. I would be remiss not to remind you that Regan and her makeshift court had him to thank for their escape from a freehold. To General Riverfell! Here, here. To Bryce Riverfell. Now settle down, settle down. I've got a few words to say, if you don't mind. Hey, shut up, you drunken idiots. Your general's trying to speak. Thank you, Gareth. <clears throat> we all know, some too well, as we've watched our sworn blood brothers fall by our side, some kin and some closer than kin, for some our fathers, mothers, brothers before us. We know that the life of a soldier is often hard and brief. Whether by choice or necessity, for valor or to feed our families, we put ourselves on the line and hope that, in the end, our work is uh, just and does some good in the world. Which is to say, we carry a heavy burden, and you and all your fallen friends have carried that weight admirably and honorably. And with the completion of repairs to the outer hold, a full two weeks ahead of the impossible fucking schedule we were given. Yes. All right, all right, all right. Now all the realms can sleep a bit easier tonight. So on this evening, I wanted to raise a glass and a ruckus to brotherhood, to thank you for your service and your partnership, and to assure you that it is the greatest honor of my life to serve among you. And here's to you. Now, if you'll all excuse me, I have some other business to attend to. Back east. Woo, give Bailey a kiss for all of us, General. Watch it now, Sergeant. Gods be with you all. Sleep well. Professor, uh, a word before I leave? And so did the most erudite of Bryce Riverfell's captains follow the general to his private study. General, I can tell something's on your mind. <laughs> Nothing gets past you, buddy. Got a good crew I built over the years. You, Clarence, Gareth, Max, Stefan, Niels, each one of you is a great fighter in your own way. I'm glad to know this infantry be in good hands if ever I wasn't around. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment, though I'm not sure I like where this is headed. It's not headed anywhere, yet. I'll just, uh... Well, you've got a way with words. Uh, I'd like you to start preparing everyone for the possibility of a change in leadership. You're not ill, are you, Bryce? <laughs> Maybe, but not like that. I'll tell you the truth, uh... I'm thinking it's time to retire. Retire? You can't be serious. It's a tough job, Professor. I won't lie to you. I've just seen too much. It's an important thing we do here fighting to protect those who can't fight for themselves. A noble cause. I gotta believe that. 
Whosoever leads that effort needs to do it with all their heart. And that ain't me anymore. So getting out while I still can. I, I suppose there's no talking you out of it. What'll you do with all your spare time? Take it day by day for once in my life. Your men will... Both men instantly recognized the distinctive sound of that very particular horn. The Knights of the Wood, back here again. There go my plans for the evening. The professor quickly caught a flash of something in Bryce's eyes, just before he bent to a locked cabinet beneath his desk. Bryce retrieved a bottle of brown liquid from under his desk, along with a single drinking glass. Not in the sharing mood? Well, it looks like you've got to work tonight, Professor. Were you... expecting the elves, Bryce? Sooner or later I was. I was hoping it'd be later. Then Bryce bent down again and replaced the bottle in his locking cabinet. Maeve's gonna be pissed. Told her to wait up for me. I'm sure she'll forgive you. She always has. Will you make my excuses for me? Uh, in person, if you can manage it. Something about the earnestness in Bryce's request caught the professor off guard. If you say so, Bryce. Come. Lord Reloteed here to speak with you. Says it's urgent. Of course it is. I'm coming. Bottoms up, as they say. Bryce drained his glass before leaving his study. <sighs> to answer Relatite's summons. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Klaas and Christian T. Kelly Madeira and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Alex Story and Ryan Cushman are associate producers. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky. Anya Gibeon. Ian Hawkins. Shannon Harris. Paul Notice. Juliet Prather. Frank Quares. Julie Reed. Gregory M. Schultz. Special guest appearance this chapter by Charlie, an improvised musical team. Production audio recording by Jared Paul. Editing by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. Post-production mixing and sound design by Dylan Garrity. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Reddit. everyone. If you're enjoying The Once in Future Nerd, you might enjoy this show from our friends. Are you tired of the domestic discussions of the more pedestrian podcasts? Looking for a more enlightened way to talk about video games? Then look no further than Left Trigger, Right Trigger, the video game book club, where four hosts discuss the more sophisticated issues in games. Topics include body parts. Zelda, 
the division. Hyperlight Tokyo Drifter. Good vibes. Time machine. Doing the gab uh, biscuit faces. Being terrible. Muzapan sex dance. The faces are terrible. When the mouse is away, or when the cat's a mouse. I can't tell white people apart. My body is going to dissolve. I'm playing wine. The Gashapon is just a womb. Man, this game's got hot orcs. <clears throat> Left trigger, right trigger. Your video game book club. Wow, that was what? really disappointing.